This presentation is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS Financial Services, Inc. UBS Financial Services, Inc. does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information presented. The guests of Winged and Ready and UBS Financial Services, Inc. are not affiliated. Hi, and welcome back to Winged and Ready. I know we had a bit of a brief pause, but I'm so excited to be back with an amazing professional today who's going to help so many business owners out there. I'm very proud to have Brenda DeSaro on from Eisner Amper today. Good morning, Brenda. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Diane? I am doing great. I'm just going to give our listening audience a little bit of a scoop on your background. Brenda is a director in the firm's pension services group. She has over 20 years of experience handling the related pension plan audit and consulting requirements for a very broad client base, which makes her such an amazing guest for today. She efficiently and accurately manages all types of pension plan audits. Brenda's served both public and private clients in a wide variety of industries with both defined benefits and defined contribution plans, including 401ks, 403bs, 11ks, and ESOPs. So she consults with clients and is responsible for supervision and review of staff and work product, including detailed testing. So we're going to start to dig into some of these topics. They may sound very technical, but when you get down into it, I think the thing you're going to hear from Brenda and I is when you implement them well and you have good governance, it can make a really big difference for a company and its participants and many, many other things. Brenda's also involved in the maintenance of the firm's master engagement templates, as well as design and delivery of annual firm-wide continuing professional education. So we couldn't have a better guest with us here today. Brenda, again, thank you for joining me on Winged and Ready. Well, thank you for having me. This is really cool, and I'm excited to go over this topic. There's so much that's been changing in the industry and the landscape. Tell me about something that's impacted your day-to-day recently or, or changes that are on the horizon, whether it be with ERISA or the Department of Labor or anything else that you would want to talk about. I can start by saying I just have gotten back from the AICPA conference in Nashville, Tennessee, which was wonderful. I was there three days to learn more about employee benefit audit. And one of the biggest topics that they were going over has to do with governance. And it's the newly implemented SAS 136 that now puts more emphasis on your plan management and those charged with governance to really understand their plan and to be on the front end of uh, being able to understand what their vendors are and uh, in what capacity they are utilizing them. It's so important. And also, I think you're the only person I've ever talked to that said a three-day conference was wonderful. So it must have been really <laughs> impactful in the lovely town of Nashville. Not not a tough place to go visit, I'm sure, even if it wasn't a conference most of the time. So when you're talking about providers to a plan, and even maybe what a plan is, we have a lot of entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs, business owners who are in growth mode. So what should they be thinking about? Um, and definitionally, what's a plan and who are those providers to the plan? Well, that's a great question. And uh, since this audience will be far reaching from your just get it started company with two, three, four, ten people, all the way up to individuals that might have a company that 
has over a thousand employees. One of the ways that I'm seeing they're trying to attract talent is to have an employee benefit plan. So your typical 401k that we're all familiar with. And by allowing your employees to invest for their future in an employee benefit plan like a 401k, I'll use that as an example because that is so familiar to Mm -hmm. many people, Mm -hmm. then it, it allows them to put that money aside. And one of the most important things is what will you allow them to invest in those different options and uh, investment vehicles that their deferrals will go in. And if the employer also puts money on their behalf, that money too, uh, to save for the future. And, you know, the different vendors that you utilize, I'm speaking of your um, your Fidelities, your Vanguards, your Schwabs, you know, those type of entities that help with the process when you um, start your plan and when you're maintaining your plan over these years. So they're really, would you classify them almost like in an administrative capacity to the plan? They're helping to get the plan set up and maintaining it? That is what a lot of these uh, vendors provide mm-hmm. for your your plan, that they will assist in starting a plan and going through that process, maintaining the plan. Um, many of them will help with the plan document that is going to provide all the different provisions and, and what you will offer to your employees if they choose to participate in the plan. So your vendors are very important when you're seeking out if you have if you do not have a plan and you wish to you want to make sure that you're comfortable with who's going to be walking alongside you in the the journey of of getting the plan and so that that's something that's very important and once you pull that trigger and you say okay let's let's have a 401k plan you as a decision maker, then become a fiduciary. And that mm. sometimes can be a scary word if it's not understood what capacity and, and what sort of hat you're putting on when, when you're called a fiduciary. When you're, you're walking down the road towards one of my favorite words, and I'm going to hold it for now and keep people guessing what that is. But I love that okay. you said walking alongside. That is a great analogy because like anything else that you're putting into place, whether it's in your personal life or in your business, you're really looking for those providers who you can work with and have a longer term relationship and you can trust that they're going to get things set up for you in the right way. So walking alongside is a perfect way to put it. And another thing you said that I loved was talking about the employees. I think so many business owners perhaps don't really fully appreciate the importance of not only retaining employees, but attracting employees by having a good retirement offering in place. What do you think about that? I think it's key to to have that as an offering when you're trying to be competitive and keep your talent. I hear this time of year, I talk with a lot of HR individuals with my clients, as well as in the the finance uh, arena. And some of them are very troubled of how do I keep my employees to be my employees and not looking elsewhere for what's, you know, better or, you know, the grass is greener over here. So many of them are trying to put together a package that uh, part of it, one of the components is their 401k plan. They may offer a match when they did it before, 
or they may, um, if they already have a match, they might increase it. So that they really are listening to their employees and uh, what they want for their plan. And uh, I mean, some of them are talking about ESG, that mm-hmm. they, they want to be able to defer their money into an investment vehicle that has more benefit than just the return rate. You know, they, they also want to uh, have something that's better for the environment or, or social. Mm-hmm. So it, it really is cool, my job, I, that I get to speak with these different individuals and sort of hear what concerns or what they're doing uh, to try and put that very attractive package together yes. for their employees yes. that helps entice them to stay. Absolutely. And I have to throw on my financial advisor hat for a hot second. As a financial advisor at UBS, I'm often educating people that to invest with the ESG mindset does not mean you have to give up returns. And especially in a fiduciary sense, we never want to be giving up returns simply because we believe in a thematic. So I I think it's wonderful that you can start to highlight to people that you can have both and do both. Another thing is with the 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 great turnover that we're having right now post-COVID, I think a lot of younger workers, even though they may be tempted to be lured away with the grass is greener over here, or maybe you're going to have a slightly higher or even significantly higher salary. You know, money in your pocket today does not mean that you'll have a healthier retirement. So building out that healthy retirement plan truly can be a retention tool and a recruiting tool. I agree. I've heard it from, like I said, my clients that I'm talking to in, in the HR area, because uh, it seems like a lot of times they are in the position to make that happen, to try and keep the talent. So I, I would definitely agree wholeheartedly that it, it can be a feature that, that keeps them, if you will, at their desk yeah. <laughs> and not, not looking elsewhere. Um, so yeah. that, that definitely is concern and um, can be a way. And, and also understanding your 401k plan in the offerings and the different types of investments, because some of them come with more fees than others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you may see that the return rate is really wonderful. Then you've got to marry it up against the fees and the expenses that will erode, if you will, that return. And being a savvy investor and understanding all of those dynamics is so key when you're planning for your future and that big picture of, for me, when I retire, I want to be on the beach. I want to yeah. be kicking back and in, enjoying my retirement and saving appropriately is the best way to make that happen. Absolutely. And knowing that you have hung your hat while you, while you are working with a firm that understands that is the goal. That is the main aim to be on that beach or wherever you want to be when you retire and to have a healthy retirement, both physically and and monetarily. So let's move on to that favorite word that I know you and I have talked about in socially and in conversation, governance. I think so many of the things that you listed are included in good governance. And when you have good governance, especially around a retirement plan, you are looking at things like those fees. You have codified the right building blocks in place, and it can 
literally lead to better performance within the retirement plan for a lot of reasons. But if you're willing, I would love to unpack what good governance is and what those building blocks look like and maybe a story or two on on how you've helped clients to get there. I would love to go down that path and and discuss two of my favorite words, a fiduciary and governance. They definitely go hand in hand. Uh, When you are a fiduciary, like I said, you sort of put that hat on, with it comes responsibility. That responsibility means that you are taking very seriously in the capacity that you are representing the plan and and the decisions that will be made on behalf of the plan and thus those Mm -hmm. participants that are benefiting from the plan. And I've seen in my experience really successful fiduciaries by the way that they come together and uh, may assemble a committee and, and have minutes and discuss what is on the horizon or what is on their their plate that day for things that are concerning or need to be addressed for their plan. Uh, A lot of plan committees that I've seen that are very successful meet periodically. Each company is different of what they define that as. Some meet quarterly, some meet twice a year. And in just showing that diligence, to invest their time in making the plan understood Mm -hmm. and those relevant items that are coming up because these plans are are living. They're their own entity. And there are changes that are happening and they need to be aware of and make decisions. So a lot of times when you start a 401k, it's thought that you set it up and forget it. It's it's good. I'm done. You know, I picked my investments and I don't need to do anything more. My vendor that I selected is going to do it all. And I think that is a misunderstanding. You you really need to be involved and take care of it. It's, It's almost like a plant, if you will. When you set up your, (laughs) when you set up your 401k, you're planting the seeds. And so you need to water it and pay it more attention in the beginning to just get it all set up well. However, periodically you still need to water it. You still need to let that sunlight shine. And so you need to keep this living entity going by being mindful of what's going on and what care might need to be given to it. Um, for it to grow and and provide for your employees, the participants, what you want for them. I love that. And not to use my own aloe plant right now as an example, because it's not doing (laughs) so great. But (laughs) a lot of key things that you pointed out that I would love to just dig in a little deeper, one of which was fiduciary. It's a word that I think many investment committee members underappreciate if they've not been fully educated on it. Many of them are not aware that as individuals, they have a fiduciary responsibility and can be liable as an individual, not just at the committee level. So what can an investment committee do to help safeguard themselves by being thorough enough to make sure that they are fulfilling their fiduciary duties? So as a 401k auditor, I've been you know, in the position to see what some of my, my clients are doing that I think are best practice. When you, you talk about, you know, the fiduciary and the responsibility, there is the prudent man rule, um, and that's ERISA 401A1B, where you need to 
sort of look at things and a prudent man is, uh, or woman, I would say, uh, is, is looking at it would come to the same conclusion. So mm -hmm. you, you want care and skill and prudence and diligence to come into play uh, with, you know, being a fiduciary. You hit the nail on the head as far as education of just knowing what it is that you are responsible for. Uh, I've seen great success with having minutes. So it documents the discussion that was brought by the committee and then those decisions that were made uh, that will memorialize mm -hmm. the, what happened and, and where it led to. Not to say that someone might have gotten to a different place, but it does show that care was given and effort was made to be concerned with whatever issue you're documenting. Yeah, and that's so important, too, because a lot of people, when they join an investment committee or have been a part of it, sometimes you forget that investment committee is going to be an entity that will keep going when you're no longer in the seat. So codifying what was said and done during the meeting in those minutes is critical. And even even more so, I think recognizing that the pace of change is so fast, right? So having good governance in place and using the right tools and mechanisms like you're talking about is crucial because you really want to have plans in place. I like to tell committees to have an investment policy statement that really takes into account some of the financial behavior biases that could happen or have happened in the past and to recognize those so that when the decision-making framework is put into place, the investment policy statement is followed and any one individual cannot sway a plan's outcomes too much or too greatly. That is a really good point. I, I see many of my clients have an investment policy that they will look at and, and maintain accordingly as things change. The other thing that I might note is the success that I've seen with some of my clients is surrounding themselves with experts mm -hmm. in the different areas. And regardless of what industry they're in, many of them probably don't have that expertise. So going and, and listening to individuals that provide that is so important because they've got to be responsible for their day-to-day -day work and taking on all the different changes that occur with these plans can be time consuming. And you want to have a resource that you can, can tap and um, rely on to be a sounding board or what's new, what's changing. And, and that can be in many different ways. I mean, it's in some point as an auditor, I try to provide my clients with what's happening, you know, with the DOL, what are we hearing that they're talking about and what's on the horizon or what are some new standards that are coming on the scene? Like I said, for our 2021 plan year audit, we are seeing SAS 136 uh, come into play and how that impacts uh, an audit uh, for a plan. Talk about that a little bit more. So SAS 136, it was supposed to actually be for plan year 2020. However, thanks to COVID, it got delayed and they allowed for it to then be implemented for our plan years 2021. And with that comes the plan management taking on a bit more responsibility of understanding their plan and um, the type of audit that they need. So one of the biggest things is we, in the 
accounting auditing realm, we got used to saying terms like a limited scope audit or a full scope audit. Mm -hmm. And thanks to 136, those are passe. Those terms are gone. Um, now for your 2021 plan year, you've got ERISA section 103A3C, which mm. is a mouthful. And that's the new term for what we used to know and love as a limited scope audit. And I am loving and I'm trying to, to get momentum to just call it a 3C audit because that just is so much easier to say <laughs> so selfishly that I'm on the bandwagon for that. And who doesn't now like the number three? So where we go? I know. It's the magic it's, number. It's, it's exactly. Exactly. It just rolls right off. Um, and then what used to be a full scope audit is now an ERISA non-section 103A3C audit. Uh, again, I would call it like a non-3C audit <laughs> to make it easier. So that that is definitely uh, been a big education for my firm with our clients that we let them know it was on the horizon. Many of my clients, when I sent out their letters at the conclusion of the audit for their 2020 plans, we went over what was happening for the SAS 136. The ASCPA put out a great management advisory, just what that all in, entails. And is I that online? Like seven or eight. It is, yes. If you go on to, to um, the ICPA and you uh, do SAS 136 advisory, it should come up and uh, walk through for those plans that need to be audited, what the ask will be looking through the lens for a plan management oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You had said something critical as well in regarding to the scope of the audit. That's going back for me to the building blocks of, of good governance, making sure that the correct things are taking place, including audit for the plan. You can't you can't misstep there. It's just something that otherwise you will see your plan's name in the paper with a lawsuit next to it. And nobody wants that. Yeah, I agree that understanding the criteria of when you pass that line and need an audit sometimes can sneak up on these businesses that are booming. And, you know, they start their plan, let's say in 2019, and there's 20 people and then 2020 rolls around and they are just exploding. Their, their product or their service has just taken off. And now they've got well over 150 employees. And the, the threshold for needing an audit is generally 100 that could be planned participants. So even if they're not enrolled in the plan, if they could be, if the eligibility criteria allows them to be in the plan, mm. then as of the beginning of the plan years, when for the instructions of the Form 5500 says you need to sort of look at your headcount. And if at the beginning of your plan year, you're over generally 100, you cross into a large plan filer and that triggers the need for an audit because when you file your Form 5500, which is an annual compliance filing, you'll need to attach that audited financial statement. That's absolutely incredible. And I believe that so often and in an employee benefits plan, the fiduciary responsibility, many people think, oh, it's a 401k. It's the participant's responsibility. 
but it's not the fiduciary responsibility. You have 50 employees in a plan, but you have 300 eligible employees and you're not doing that audit. That's a problem. You don't have the disciplined oversight that you need. You don't have good governance in place and you're putting your entire company at risk. That that can be a severe consequence if you're not watching those numbers and making sure that you are reporting it correctly of what the 5500 instructions define to like, sum up that, that headcount. So that brings it back around full circle to what you said at the beginning. You really need to have the plan set up with advisors who will walk alongside you and make sure that you're fulfilling your fiduciary responsibility because they're educating you and they're helping you with oversight. And I think that's a lot of different advisor types. Um, I know selfishly what I think they are, but I would love to hear from you. And what do you tell your clients? Like, hey, these are the other professionals that you need involved to make sure that the, the governance is in place and you're not putting yourself at risk and you're actually optimizing your plan so we can get to that point where it's a retention and a recruitment tool. Definitely. You, as plan management takes a look at their 401k plan, many best practice is to surround yourself with those, those experts, those knowledgeable individuals. And I've seen success with speaking with uh, financial advisors to look at your investments and look at your process and, and give guidance there. I've seen also where they have um, worked with a RISA council and, you know, any changes in laws or sometimes plans might have a misstep and the corrective process to have them back in line and good, you know, good order for their plan uh, is also very beneficial. And, Understanding that it's okay to to ask for help and to go and find someone who is knowledgeable in that area, I think allows for success. Uh, and I think we've already talked upon it, but also meeting periodically and and being aware of what is changing, what needs to be addressed, and um, looking out for the participants for their best interest. Absolutely. It all comes back to doing good things with good people, right? You need to surra yeah. surround yourself with, with good people who um, appreciate the not only the opportunity, but the severity if things aren't done appropriately and according to plan. But I love how the word plan has been bantied about so much because it's not only about the retirement plan itself, but it's about having a good plan in place and the right roadmap in place to ensure good outcomes. And when I say good outcomes, I truly believe and research has shown that when you have good governance in place, which includes all of the many building blocks we've been talking about, it can have a material impact on longer term performance in the way of 1%, 2 percentage points added to a retiree's plan outcome which is a really big deal. So this is putting money into people's pockets by following the right steps and making sure that you're not only adhering to the right rules and regulations, but you're really looking to optimize and make sure that you have the right advisors around you so that you can do that. I would agree wholeheartedly on that. I love wholehearted agreement. It doesn't get better than that. 
Is there anything else you want to add to this discussion? I know I have so enjoyed engaging with you around your AICPA conference and Department of Labor and that lovely ERISA that's going to help us all retire one day on the beach. Any other things that our listeners should pay attention to? And also, I want to ask you an important question. If anybody has a a question, do you mind if they reach out to you? Oh, I would welcome anyone to follow up and reach out with, with questions or a thought. Always like to meet new people and you, you never know what tomorrow will bring. And I, um, I really love what I do. If it hasn't come across, uh, all I do is employee benefit audits. So I get to do this 365 and um, work with my clients and potential clients. And it's something that I really enjoy. As do I, which is why I think we struck up a friendship on this a few months ago, which which I truly am grateful for and appreciate. So if you don't have anything else to add, I would really, I always emphasize to the listening audience, if you have a question, the key ingredient to winged and ready is to make you ready. And that means all of us who participate as professionals in these conversations are more than happy to have a phone call with you. And that doesn't mean that we're going to bill you or charge you. We're here to help make sure that you get going in the right direction. And sometimes that 15 or 30 minutes of free advice can be worth its weight in gold in the long run. Don't you agree, Brenda? Oh, absolutely. I I am a teacher too. So in our, here at Eisner Amper, I do a lot of training. I am a helper. So I love when you can see someone catch a new concept or an idea and, and it connects the dots for them. So if I can be part of that process to connect those dots, I'm more than happy to take that call and, and help someone out. A helper at heart. I love it. So part of the Build Share community that is taking hold um, in a great way across many entrepreneurs' businesses today. So thank you so much for this conversation today, Brenda, and I look forward to having many more and maybe sharing some success stories from a couple of the listeners as well. That sounds like a plan. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business and that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA, SIPC.